0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s.
1: This week we are discussing First Day on a Brand New Planet, the third episode of Season 3, which was written by Terrence Coli, directed by Billy Dixon, and originally aired on the WB on October 19th, 2005, which was a whole two days before a young... Fourteen-year-old Jeremy Rodriguez turns fifteen.
0: Oh my, really? Yes. Why did you say really? I didn't know my birthday. birthday.
1: (laughs) 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 That's your reaction? Like, did you forget my damn birthday, Caitlin? What the hell?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did not. (laughs) I just pretended like I did. (laughs) Uh, 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 uh.
1: Jeez. Anyway, all right, we're we're embarrassing ourselves, let's just go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody
1: told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: Lucas and Haley read their past predictions and write new ones for the school year.
1: Lucas decorates Brooke's locker to surprise her on her first day of school, even though they are still dated not exclusively.
0: Brooke wants Lucas to spend the night, but he won't agree to it unless they are exclusive. Brooke
1: has also secretly been writing Lucas numerous letters that have never been since.
0: Dan informs Whitey that he added an item to the board agenda this week about replacing him as coach.
1: Sam speaks at the meeting and notes that Whitey has never won a championship throughout his long career.
0: Karen speaks in defense of Whitey and claims that the boys have learned immeasurable lessons by being on his team and that playing basketball is not just about winning games. In the end, Whitey gets to say He later confines to Mouth that he will be retiring at the end of the school year, whether they win or lose the state championship.
1: In other news, Whitey gives Haley and Nathan detention on purpose in order to get them talking.
0: Nathan suggests to Haley that they consider getting a divorce instead of an annulment.
1: Ellie confronts Lucas about the drugs he saw her buying the other day. She tells him that she has cancer and buys marijuana to cope with the nausea.
0: Karen gives Larry advice about protecting Peyton from regret. Ellie and Larry
1: surprise Peyton in her bedroom, and she becomes upset because they are invading her space and looking at her personal artwork.
0: Larry apologizes to Peyton and suggests that she talks to a therapist to work out all of her feelings. Instead, she decides to start a
1: podcast to share what's going on in her life, which is totally, totally healthy.
0: Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas finally tells Peyton about Ellie's cancer. As they are talking in the school gym, Dan walks in and accuses Lucas of setting the dealership fire.
1: Dan attacks Lucas, and Peyton doesn't have a choice but to reveal that Lucas was the one who saved him from the fire. Dan tells them to keep this a secret.
0: And lastly, a police officer gives Dan a mysterious envelope.
1: Showing off my free samples from Suburban Filth, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez.
0: Podcasting about One Tree Hill Season 3, I'm Caitlin Illinich.
1: Podcasting?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like radio, but fans can download it and listen to it on their iPods. Oh, okay.
1: Anyway, this episode is uh, named after the song First Day on a Brand New Planet by Jesse James. And I gotta say, like, I didn't really think much of this episode before diving into it. But then, like, after listening to the song, and, and also hearing the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow quote, I gotta say, this episode is pretty beautiful and genius, because I feel like all the pieces sort of come together.
0: I know, I and feel like a lot of the strange. songs are, I mean, they're loosely related, as we've talked about, you know. But they're kind of just a lot of them can be disconnected from the episode. But this one really, I think, does fit well with the themes. Yeah,
1: yeah, like much like the opening quote, which we'll we'll read right now. Um, the quote is from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I think I already said that, but just in case, I have a very shitty memory. All are architects of fate working in these walls of time except lucas's quote replaces the word working with living for whatever reason um so that's the beginning part of the quote and then at the end of the episode you get to hear an extended version and uh they add on the words so look not mournfully into the past it comes not back again which I feel like that's what all the characters are doing, and that's what the song's about, too. It's it's about, like, don't look at the past. Keep moving forward. We see Haley's not dwelling on the past with Nathan. She put in her little predictions that the two of them will be back together again. We see Lucas and Brooke moving forward with their relationship. Additionally, Whitey isn't dwelling on the past because he never won to say championship, but regardless of winning or losing, he's going to retire at the end of the school year, and he's just going to keep moving forward and trying to be his best self. And then we also hear about Matt's relationship with Erica. He's kind of dwelling on it, but then he ends up turning around in the end after getting some advice from Whitey. We see Ellie trying to have a relationship with Peyton, and on a smaller scale, too, we see Lucas hooked out the golf course on the roof of Karen's Cafe.
0: Wow, those are a lot of examples that connect. And yeah. And I think they're all really good examples and it just makes me think about how like the song and the quote and the episode they all kind of relate to like this new beginning and quite literally because the episode is about the first day of school or the first week of school or whatever but also more than that because like the characters are starting over and that's what it feels like at least they're they're starting over in a new school year but like their relationships are kind of they're they're evolving they're from what occurred at the end of season two and throughout the summer.
1: For sure. This episode's a little bit of a turning point from the first two episodes, which I I, I never I never really realized that, to be honest.
0: So as I was writing the recap, <laughs> I feel like whenever I write the recaps out, it makes me really think about like everything that happened in the episode. And some episodes just have so much going on in them. And I didn't feel like this particular episode was dramatic in that, It didn't feel like a lot happened, but as I started to write everything out, there were so many different things.
1: Yeah. It's a beautiful, cohesive unit at the end of the day.
0: I totally agree.
1: Also, in contrast to all these characters trying to move forward and trying not to look mournfully onto the past, we see Dan. He is dwelling on the past. He can't let go about the stewardship fire. So it's it's kind of interesting to see him be the contrast to the rest of the characters. Like, he's not, like, moving on. I mean, not to say, like, you know, somebody tried to murder you. I, I feel like you're valid in trying to <laughs> process that in your own particular way.
0: Yeah, it's more than that, though. Like, I, I get that he's trying to figure out that mystery, but I feel like one of the biggest things to describe Dan as a character is that he's stuck. He's perpetually stuck. In the past. I mean, he has been for the entire series. You're right, yeah. And he's he's stuck in the past. I mean, he I know he's, like, hyper-focused on, like, who, ki- who tried to kill me? But there's also, like, he has these grudges still. Like, he still does not have a good relationship with Lucas. And I don't know what he's holding on to there. I, I know he thinks Lucas tried to kill him. But, like, there's more to it than that. And then... Like with Karen, there's still a grudge against Karen, which her life changed more than his did. She had to take care of Lucas. So it's interesting to me that he's still holding on to whatever he's holding on to and still upset with her, even though he has no reason and she has more of a reason than he does. It's the same old story. He has not evolved yet in the series so far.
1: I feel your anger toward Dan right now. He's like
0: getting deeper and deeper into this hole of, I don't know, just anger and this grudge. I I don't even know how else to describe it. He's a little
1: fired up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pun intended.
0: A little little much, I think. (laughs) think. (laughs) Anyway. That's my little rant about Dan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was about to say, damn, you're ranting about Dan more than usual this week. <laughs> like, like is, something, is something going on? Like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> do you want to podcast about it?
0: I don't know. You bringing up Dan just in that moment, I I really started to think about him as a character as a whole.
1: I gotcha. So, what you're saying right now is that you are talking to all of our listeners because you should be talking to someone.
0: You mean a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Because it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very healthy dynamic to have to to podcast instead of going to therapy. I just, you know, I just gotta say.
0: Are we really talking about that now?
1: No, we'll get more into that, (laughs) but I feel like this has to be a good through line.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) That we'll chat about as the episode goes on. Yeah, I got thoughts. (laughs) First of all, let's talk about Lucas and Haley's tradition that they have. They write their little predictions about what's going to happen in the school year. They write it down on a piece of paper, and then they put it in a little tin, and then they hide it behind a little brick on the roof of Karen's Cafe, and then they read up on their predictions from the previous year and see, like, what has happened.
0: They're so adorable. I really miss Lucas and Haley last season.
1: Sam, yeah. this is the
0: reason, like, we love these characters. And this year, they decide to wait until the first day of school or the first is it just the first day, or I feel like it's several days. It's definitely
1: two days yeah. because Haley has detention twice. Yes, yeah, true, true, true. And she's wearing two different outfits. So, like, I, I don't know if they thought, like, oh, we'll just have them switch outfits midway through, but yeah, they definitely did not do it at the end of their first day. <laughs>
0: That's what I thought. So, yeah, they waited a few days, and then they did it, which is smart. I see why. Uh, they wanted to kind of feel out what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. I like to uh, hear in some of their uh, previous uh, predictions, though. In seventh grade, Haley said, this year, I'll kiss a boy. And I thought it was really funny that Lucas read that first. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is like, this year, I'll kiss a boy. And, like, I didn't take it as, like, a homophobic joke or anything, which I feel like when they wrote it, it... They probably were. But you're like, oh my God, look at how funny this is. It's a guy reading that. But the way Chad read it, it was just, there was a lot of nuance there and I kind of enjoyed that. It was cute, you know?
0: It was almost more so picking on Haley. Yeah. And acknowledging like, this is not mine, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What else? Lucas said, this year I'll talk to Peyton Sawyer. Haley said, this year I'll volunteer at the Tudor Center. Both of those things happened. And then we had some, like, you know, more divisive things. Uh, Lucas wrote, Mom and Keith will be married. And then Haley also wrote, This year I'll date a musician. Which, oof.
0: <laughs> Oh, man. What year was and that supposed to be?
1: I don't know, honestly. I, I, it's kind of unclear, but do you think maybe uh, we're supposed to believe that she wrote it before the beginning of their junior year? I don't know. Which, for those of you who don't know about the timeline of One Tree House, season one and season two were both junior year. That yeah. much we can make sense of with the timeline.
0: <laughs>
1: Other shit we cannot.
0: And season three and season four are senior year. Yes. So it's, at this point, now, like, we're midway through the, the high school years.
1: <laughs> so... And then I'm sure in season five, they will go off to college, and we will uh, see them enjoy college life. Definitely, definitely, for sure. So anyway, um, I, another uh, plot point that we have throughout the episode, we see Mel is very sad about his breakup with Erica, and he's kind of like being mopey about it throughout the entirety. And we see that first when he interviews Nathan for something called a podcast. That whole, like, interaction between the two of them are is hilarious because that was the early days of podcasts, and I guess.
0: It really was the early days because they weren't really a thing until, I don't know, how many years ago. I feel like maybe seven years ago they started to become a real big thing.
1: I don't know they were always a thing but like I know like I mean for a fact like the first podcast I le- I ever listened to was serial and that was in 2014 2015
0: okay. so a little longer ago so yeah roughly like 10 years ago they started to like I guess become more popular.
1: Yeah, nowadays they're a little bit more in the mainstream, you can say. But it's kind of funny, throughout this episode, it's like they're trying to tell the viewers, like, hey, this is a podcast, just so you know. And then, of course, we get the whole thing at the end where Peyton starts her own podcast. and We'll talk a little bit about this later, but those podcasts that Peyton records, you can actually listen to them.
0: Which is wild, because I did not know this (laughs) until a few days ago. As of this recording.
1: Yeah. Um, or I'm a, a day about. ago,
0: actually. <laughs>
1: yeah, yesterday. And you texted me. You're like, did you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> oh, how dare you not tell me? I'm sorry.
1: I wanted to surprise you and be like, oh, my God, guess what?
0: Yeah, if I didn't know, that would have been an interesting conversation just now. <laughs>
1: But anyway, so we'll talk a little bit more about Peyton's podcast later. But uh Mouth notes that Erica left him for a surfer, which was taken from the deleted scenes from the finale, if you remember correctly.
0: Oh yeah, we get those deleted scenes, which really weren't that necessary. So I'm glad they deleted yeah. them. But I guess it gives you a little bit more context.
1: It was probably just like, hey, we deleted these scenes. Like we might as well like use them in season three. But Still kind of sad.
0: Yeah, the weird part is in the scenes she's telling mouth like he has nothing to worry about. So that that's interesting.
1: Which of course they deleted those parts, so uh, that never
0: happened as far as we're concerned. <laughs> so I found it clever how they wove in mouth throughout this episode,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recording the
0: podcast and like just. Being really upset about Erica, <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, "Shut up, mouth! This is so annoying. Just stop." <laughs> Aww. I thought it was a little sad. Although I, I, I kind
1: of didn't like his uh, holier than thou attitude, where like when he's talking to Lucas and says, "Oh, it's easier for you to tell me to get over it. Like you have girls like lining up around the block," and I'm like, "Come on." <laughs> I know. It's like, do you want Erica or do you just want girls? I feel like it's the latter, despite the fact that Mouth says. But, like, even if I did have girls lined up the blo- up around the block, I wouldn't want this anyway. I just want Erica. And I'm like, I don't really think that is what it- this is about. Which, you can tell, Mouth is definitely a self-insert here for the creator of the show.
0: Yeah, I knew you were going to say that
1: who is just, you know, a very, very, very entitled jackass, long story short, thinking that women owe him the world, and, you know, we don't have to get too much into those details. It's out there elsewhere.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh. But I, I was thinking the same thing, that it, it is the self-insert.
1: Also, why does Mouth get advice from Whitey, who has a dead wife, not a not a girl who left him for a surfer? <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of tasteless, honestly.
0: Yeah, what what question does Mouth ask? Like, how do you get over heartbreak? Yeah. I know, getting over a death versus a breakup, that's two totally <laughs> different things, I'm sorry. Yes, exactly. grieving is involved in both, but it's a much different type of grieving.
1: And also, too, like, you know, we, we should know that Erica left him for another guy, like, what happened behind the scenes like did she cheat on mouth like what happened i don't think we'll ever know and nor do i personally care to be honest with you but it's just like i feel like the, this kind of grief that you feel over erica marsh leaving you isn't the same as whitey dealing with the death of his wife
0: no it isn't i guess he just knows that whitey gives good advice in general he always has words of wisdom so maybe that's why i went to whitey which, which she does it's true
1: could you imagine being like, hey, can you open up this wound about your dead wife to tell me how I can get over this breakup?
0: <laughs> Let's talk about happier things.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, it's slightly happier because these two aren't exclusive yet, <laughs> but we're talking about Brucas right now. I really liked when Lucas decorated her locker.
0: Yeah, that's how we basically start off the episode. Brooke's like giving him a hard time. She's like, it's the first so first off, they are non-exclusive. So why is Brooke expecting gifts from Lucas? But but that's where the conversation begins. They're walking down the hall and she's like, I would expect it a ride to school or flowers or, or I can't remember exactly what she said. And then she opens a locker and he decorated it and says like Brooke and Lucas together forever. I don't know. Why is she expecting anything?
1: Well, I mean, just because you're not in an exclusive relationship, quote-unquote, it doesn't mean you can't, like, expect respect and, like, you know, equal love across from, like, all of your partners, you know?
0: That's true. But, I don't know. She's, like, expecting things from him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a little I mean, this isn't a Friends of Be- like, you know, there, there is a difference between the Friends of Benefits relationship that she had with Felix in the previous season and with her relationship with Lucas. Like, there is love involved, Even though, like, you know, obviously, this is not a good representation of polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous relationships whatsoever. But we do get a little bit of insight into how Brooke is essentially playing hard to get, quote unquote. Because when she tells Haley, sometimes people play hard to get because they need to know the other person's feelings are real. And she's saying that as she's looking at the photos of how she spent her summer vacation. So, she definitely wants something more from Lucas regardless. And we do we do see uh, get a little bit of taste of that at the end of the episode as well, when we see her go through her box of 82 letters.
0: Yeah, I, I like that quote that you just read. I just feel like she's kind of playing games a little bit. I understand that she wants, like, a romantic thing with Lucas, but at the same time, she doesn't want to fully, like, commit to him and only him. But it feels like it's a test. Like, she's testing him. Which... I don't think you can argue. She really is. She wants to be with him. It's very clear. But she also doesn't want to be hurt. And I think those letters reveal, like, probably her intense feelings for Lucas. If she's not sending them, she's clearly writing a bunch of them. She has a lot to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, uh, can we talk a little bit about a little bit of trivia in regard to those letters? I want to talk about this later, but this is like an organic time to bring this up now. Sure. So... The zip code for Lucas's address is zero one nine eight two, which according to IMDB is the zip code for Hamilton, Massachusetts, not one Tree Hill. Or Tree Hill, I should say. Oh,
0: uh, really?
1: Yeah. Very interesting, uh huh. I wonder why And it they... just got me it just got me thinking about like uh zip codes in general too. So, you know, you know the zip code for uh, Beverly Hills is nine oh two one oh, but do so you know the zip code for Dawson's Creek? No. It is nine o one o eight.
0: Nine o one o eight. Are you serious?
1: No, I made that.
0: <laughs> Not at all. You totally made that up. <laughs> no, I didn't make it up.
1: I saw it from a uh, TikTok <laughs> that uh that went viral, like. Maybe a year or two ago, it's from the person Troubadour TX, and it actually features uh, their wife Paula Bean 8. It is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I
0: love it! That is so what if, good.
1: What if I just leaned into it? And I just said like, "Yes, yeah, I don't want to wait." That's why they wrote the song. They wrote the song for Dawson's Creek,
0: <laughs> Caitlin. Um.
1: <laughs> oh, that's
0: hilarious! I love that.
1: <laughs> I think I said. I thought I said that TikTok to you.
0: It sounds familiar now that you brought it up.
1: Oh, God, I love it so much. It's
0: like
1: a good boost of of serotonin. We'll we'll have to share that on social media to, to make sure everybody sees that. But it is beautiful.
0: So good. I wonder why they didn't use the zip code on the letters. Why they didn't use Wilmington, North Carolina zip code.
1: They could have. Yeah, you're right. Like, Why didn't they just do that? But unless... I, I was i was about to say like maybe there's like a reason why you can't use like real zip codes but they did use a real zip code so i don't really fucking know <laughs>
0: i thought the address on there is the real address of the house but maybe not
1: oh i didn't look at the address itself but
0: i can't recall the zip
1: code the zip code is hamilton massachusetts so i'm sorry to disappoint to you all if you wanted to send letters to lucas scott's oh, you can't too bad i know but anyway, we uh, Brooke and Lucas kind of have some sexual tension going on throughout this episode, but Lucas won't spend the night with Brooke unless the two of them are exclusive. And then Brooke decides to be all, like, sexy. She reveals her robe, revealing some of her samples from Suburban Filth. And then um Lucas starts to kiss her and then says, Game on, Brooke Davis.
0: Yeah, that was a and really cute out. scene.
1: Yeah, I liked it. And it wasn't overly, you know, we, we talk a lot about it, a lot about how this uh, show uh, tends to sexualize the women on it, but I feel like this was like the perfect balance. And they didn't talk about this on Drama Queens, but I like to think that Sophia Bush advocated for what she was wearing in that particular scene because, for all we know, like maybe uh, maybe she was asked to wear like sexy lingerie and whatnot, which this is not. It's just a tank top and some panties at the bottom.
0: Yeah, and she might have, it,
1: and it's true to Brooke's character but it's not like overly sexualized which I loved.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it was like this fun back and forth between them. Also, mm-hmm. like it was yes, Brooke was disappointed and I guess yes, Lucas was disappointed that she doesn't want to be exclusive. So like they both are, but at the same time it's kind of like this almost fun game that they're playing. Mm. It was it was cute. I like him at the same time I just want these two to get together and just be happy, god damn it. I know, and what Brooke said to Haley about like playing hard to get, she's saying that from experience. You know, that's what she's going through right now. But it kinda it relates to what Haley was going through as well, with trying to figure out what Nathan is thinking. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that that quote.
1: Yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about uh about the daily of it all while we're while we're on that topic?
0: Yeah, why not?
1: Let's do it.
0: Whitey is hilarious and <laughs> <laughs> sending on. them to detention, which we get to see why Haley is sent because first off, she went to the the boys' locker room, so he I think ordinarily he wouldn't have given her a detention, but in this case, like he knew that they that Nathan and Haley needed to talk. So he purposely did yeah.
1: that. Didn't Peyton also got through the boys locker room? I and feel Whitey like just didn't give a shit. Everyone
0: has <laughs> <laughs> at this point. I feel like Haley has before, so
1: Yeah. why Whitey definitely has an ulterior motive for getting the two of them together.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. And then also later on, when there's that cat fight, well not really a cat fight because Haley's being bullied.
1: Which this character Who they introduce for one episode and we never see her again. Like, I just hate her. Not like, you know, hate her because, like, you know, the the actress was probably directed to, you know, give this performance the way she was and, like, it was fine. She was doing her job. But they have a school bully that's completely absent of nuance. Like, the the bully's just mean for no reasons.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really even make sense. It's like making fun of her for... Making fun of Haley for being... A musician, basically, and it doesn't really make any sense because it was a pretty cool thing that she got to do. So I don't get, I don't get why you'd make fun of someone for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Hey, Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> bitch!" Like,
0: this isn't even funny. And also, <laughs> you're not even a
1: funny boy. Why
0: are you making fun of Kelly Clarkson? Excuse <gasps> me.
1: Kelly- I love that that's your takeaway on this.
0: Kelly Clarkson was cool back then, and she's even cooler now, so I don't...
1: I was going to say, she's so fucking cool. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, yes. She's a rock star. <laughs> I love her. But, okay, yeah, that's my little side tangent. Yes! <laughs> but it, it just it makes no sense why you would make fun of someone for that. And then Haley yeah. has to, like, try to defend herself. But, like, Why? This person is clearly really insecure. So it's kind of a stupid storyline. I don't really know why. I guess maybe they needed a reason, another reason <laughs> for Haley to get detention. Even though yeah, she was just true. fighting back, she wasn't the one who started it.
1: Hey, you like singing about stars? Maybe you like to see them. <laughs> she pushes Haley. This is so stupid. <laughs>
0: yeah. This sorry. Is a stupid top fight.
1: I ugh. <laughs> Like I I'm sorry, but like if you could introduce like a bully or like a villain of the episode, you gotta make the villain interesting. And like the writing just wasn't there. Granted, like, you know, I, I don't know about this actress who played this character, like maybe she could have taken this character to places and she just chose not to. I don't know. But it's just all around. It's not very cool. It's not interesting, and I was done with it by the end. And even Nathan says to Haley, it's high school. They don't need a reason to hate you. And it's, it's like, okay, yeah, that that's a valid point, I guess. But that still doesn't make the character any more interesting.
0: I know. I feel like this storyline could be taken out. Like, I, I don't need it at all. It would have been funnier if Haley was just walking down the hall and, like, Whitey just randomly gives her detention. She doesn't do anything at all. <laughs> like, that to me yes. would be funny this was stupid and pointless and it doesn't nothing comes of it later on so yeah yeah
1: exactly too it's not like i feel like it could have been cool if like let's say if uh, this character became a recurring character and they got the show Haley deal with a bully and how she reacts to it and everything but that's not what happens
0: no it's just like this one-off episode type thing or storyline that could be removed <laughs>
1: yeah Although, I mean, we do get a really cool point at the end when Nathan comforts Haley and, like, you know, touches the small of her back. And let me tell you, like, when I watched this episode for the first time in years, like, I cried during that part. I was like, oh, like, Nathan's protecting Haley. It's so cute. But it's not like in a damsel in distress type of way. It's not like Haley needed rescuing. Nathan was just coming to say, hey, I'm here for you, to just be by your side. And I really, really love that scene. So I guess it kind of pushed that forward a little bit, showing that, like, Nathan and Haley can have, like, a little bit of... They have a line at the end of the tunnel, in a way. But the storyline still sucks, and I feel like they could have uh, introduced that thought with a better plot line. That's all.
0: I like that it was a simple gesture, but it was it was meaningful, it was comforting, and I think it was what was needed in that moment, you know? hmm Like, there didn't need to be some grand sweeping gesture type thing. It was just a subtle way of saying, I'm here for you, and that's it.
1: And it was fucking wonderful. Despite all these uh, positive things, though, uh, Nathan does tell Haley that he's looking into a divorce, because if they got their marriage annulled, it would have been like it never happens. But also, like, divorces are expensive. Shouldn't you be thinking about <laughs> this?
0: Yeah, this is interesting, and I they said this on the Drama Queens episode, that there's so many mixed messages here from Nathan, and I completely agree with that. Like, in the previous episode, he said, you know, I don't know when or if I will be ready to be with you again. Now we're in the, the next episode, 303, and he's saying, I think we should get a divorce. And then at the end of the episode, he touches the small of her back, which is a little bit beyond friend zone there. Like, you could put... I feel like friends would put their arm maybe around their shoulder. But, like, I don't know. There's something subtle about, like, he has it behind her back, and it just didn't feel friend-like. But these two have so much so much chemistry. Like, I I couldn't look at that and not see, like, (laughs) you know, them being together again. For sure. But
1: I... To use my catchphrase, I have a lot of space for Nathan, because I feel like at the end of the day... He doesn't really know what he wants either.
0: I have space for him. I'm just saying there are very mixed messages, but you're right. He has no idea what he wants, and that's the confusing part. He's like switching back and forth. It's like he admits that he still has feelings for Haley, but then he wants to get a divorce because he doesn't want to be hurt, most likely.
1: Yeah. I kind of like the idea that he said, like, hey, like, you know, we have to be separated for a year in order to get a divorce. So, like, let's just see where we're at in the next few months when we hit that one year like landmark will say. I feel like that's a it's a fair thing to do. I'm also thinking from for monetary reasons that Like divorces are gonna be more expensive. <laughs> Why do you want to do that?
0: <laughs> oh well, if they don't want to really don't want to be together then they have to. But um yeah. as teenagers, yeah, a little difficult. Maybe just <laughs> wait it out until <laughs> you have more money. But um I think what you said about waiting a year i think that makes it a little bit more hopeful but it does feel like a drastic change between 302 and 303
1: people are complicated
0: he's doing a 180 here like it went from a maybe to let's get a divorce but also at the same time we could wait a year to be separated Uh, there's a lot going on
1: yeah i get it you can say like maybe it's like inconsistent but i feel like that i don't know i just feel like it's that's real life though because i feel like feelings are never linear in that way yeah you can go from like feeling one thing to the next and i don't know i just i kind of like it (laughs) to be honest i feel like this is a realistic portrayal of two people who are separated right now and they just can't find their way back to each other
0: i completely agree that it is realistic but i can see how it's frustrating at the same time you know
1: Yeah, I got you.
0: So I can feel both things at once, Jeremy.
1: No, you can't. It has to be black and white all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We only do black and white thinking at Always and Forever. Okay, so you gotta, like, pick a side, okay?
0: Yeah. I guess we better talk about Dan, then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of black and white thinking. Yes. (laughs) He wants Whitey out, and that's that. No, if, ands, buts about it.
1: Uh, and and he uh put the uh the, he put it on the school board meeting and he put it in twenty four point font so Whitey can read and I'm like since when was Dan such an ableist piece of shit okay <laughs> he's like this is fucked up
0: I am trying to understand why suddenly he has it out for Whitey to this extent and he's always had it out for Whitey I get the threats at the end of season two that Whitey like flipped out. I mean, Dan was threatening him and then Whitey flipped out. So, like, Dan's always the instigator in this. Why does he... Why? Why are we suddenly trying to remove Whitey? Why is it going this direction? Because Whitey
1: talked to Zab at rehab, okay? That was wrong. That's so
0: stupid. (laughs) And also, it doesn't even seem like Dan is suspicious because remember we ran through all the different at one point there was a flashback not in this episode of all the different um characters threatening him and who it could be for who tried to murder him whitey being one of those um but dan doesn't really seem to think at least we are not aware of it yet we haven't seen it but he's really suspicious of whitey he He's focused on Lucas right now. So it's not, that's not really the reason why he's suddenly trying to remove Whitey. It appears.
1: Dan just likes control. Although, uh, speaking of the the fire incident, uh, did you see the moment when uh, Whitey lights a lighter and then Dan is like completely taken aback by it? He's like hardcore triggered by it. That was an interesting little point right there. And I feel like the show never really delves into Dan's PTSD. And I believe I've said that before.
0: It is interesting, because, like, it made him that fire. I think it is a trigger, which is understandable, because why wouldn't it be? (laughs) It's a traumatic event.
1: (laughs) For sure, yeah.
0: But regardless, Whitey
1: does not get removed because of Karen being an absolute badass, coming to Whitey's defense, saying, like, hey, Whitey teaches valuable lessons. It's not about winning games, okay? Okay.
0: I know, because Dan's going off about, like, we've never won a championship. Poor us. The boys Mm. deserve it. (laughs) And then Karen says, like, no, they don't deserve it. They have to earn it. And Mm -hmm. her speech was obviously so much more powerful. And it was so silly how, like, all of the people were, like, nodding their head when Karen was saying, like, that these boys on the team have, you know, been positively influenced by Whitey's lessons and his leadership and everything. And you could see people nodding. And Dan... His speech was just all focused on winning, 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 and that yeah. Whitey has never won a championship. Well, it's not really not a fair thing to say. This also is high school; it's just different.
1: <laughs> yes, I like when uh, Karen says our boys are becoming men, and I cannot put that in the statistics. It may not translate in the championships, but if you put too much focus on those things, in the end, all you're going to end up with is a sad bunch of boys who never learned to leave the game behind.
0: Which Dan has never learned.
1: Exactly. So, I like the part at the end when Whitey says, bad news, gentlemen, you're stuck with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that Nathan was, like, trying to get people to come to support Whitey
1: also. Yes, even... Yeah, even though he was mad at Lucas, he still, like, you know, tried to get Lucas to come to the events.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, the the storyline's obviously very frustrating because of the reason, of Dan's reasons to do what he did, but it was a really nice storyline to hear those things about Whitey from Karen's perspective and to see the players, you know, put their support behind Whitey and show how much he means to them. And Whitey tells Mouth that he's going to retire at the end of the school year and not to tell anyone until the first game. <laughs> and that to me is <sighs> I don't know what my thoughts are about that. I think maybe in this moment, Moy's realizing like it's time for things to be wrapped up, but he still wants to like give it that one final year.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I feel like maybe uh, hearing Karen's speech made Whitey realize that, hey, Even though I didn't win these championships, I still made an impact on these boys' lives. So, even if I end up not winning the championship at the end of the school year, who cares? I'm going to start living my life and doing my own thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Nicely put. Yeah, I think that was powerful because he's not discouraged by what Dan did. And because of what Dan did, we got to hear all these other positive things about Whitey. So, like, you know, there's pros and cons to this whole storyline and i like also that whitey is deciding to go out on his own terms which is a nice thing you know that's a good feeling to like do it when you want to do it hell yeah set your boundaries
1: do what you want with your life man exactly i appreciate that so shall we talk about uh ellie and Peyton to completely and totally switch gears yeah
0: i know this is a heck of a storyline still (laughs) Yeah. So we start off actually with Ellie and Lucas. Ellie somehow finds Lucas because she knows who Lucas is.
1: <laughs> well, we we know that the two of them met before before they knew who the other was.
0: Yes, I know that. It just still we doesn't them make them any sense. <laughs> <conversation laughs> <was. laughs> because that was a throwaway
1: line in 301. It still
0: doesn't make any sense, but
1: It doesn't provide anything. And she knew where to <laughs> find
0: him and everything, like that's crazy, but so she tells him that What he saw the other day, her buying drugs on the street, was actually she was purchasing marijuana because she has cancer and she needs that to help her with nausea. And that's like, oh boy. So she has cancer. What else are we putting on Peyton right now? Oh my God. What else can we put on this poor girl? So now her mother has cancer.
1: I know. That's... We can't talk too much about, like, how this plot line develops right now, but this definitely opens up a different kind of can of worms, for sure.
0: I know. And then Ellie says to Lucas, like, can you try to get Peyton to, like, talk to me again? And then we see Lucas trying to do that. Meanwhile, they're, like, walking up the stairs to her bedroom. As they're walking up to the bedroom, Ellie and Larry, they have previously spoken And they're waiting in Peyton's bedroom, looking at her R, and just, I don't really know what they're doing. But they're there. It is kind of, like, I get Peyton's reaction. She freaks out. It really does feel like an invasion. Like, they're there waiting for you. How is she supposed to react?
1: Yeah, for sure. And she says, like, you know, this is a, this isn't your stuff. This is my R. This is my R about my mom, my real mom. And... I understand why Peyton's, like, a complete mess right now. She has a lot of
0: feelings. Yeah, there's a lot that she's dealing with, like, all the time. And now there's this on top of it. So, yeah, I I get her reaction. And I like that Larry apologized later. I just feel like they kind of sprang it on her. (laughs) You know, waiting for her in, in her bedroom. So I feel like Larry could have approached that situation a little bit differently. So I'm glad he apologized and they had a nice conversation sitting on that bench. I really enjoyed that scene.
1: Yeah, that was really nice to see like parents owning up to their mistakes. Because parents can be imperfect sometimes. And I feel, I just have like a very deep appreciation for Kevin Kilner as uh, Papa Peyton this season that I feel like I didn't really appreciate before. But he just provides such a great performance that's very nuanced, very father like, and I really love it.
0: Yeah, there's a warmth to him. And I could really feel that father daughter bond there as Peyton's like snuggling up next to him as they're talking. It just felt, I don't know. It felt like a kind of cozy scene to me because he Mm -hmm. owned up to his mistakes. He said that, you know, he doesn't get everything right. It's just that's the way it is. Like, he can't get everything right all the time. And he made a mistake here. And then Peyton even acknowledges, like, well, sometimes you do. And I thought that was a sweet response. So they're not upset with each other anymore. I feel like they're coming to a a neutral ground finally with Ellie because it's been tense the past few episodes.
1: On a slightly different note, related to Papa Payton, I gotta say this Papa Payton has chemistry with Karen, and I kind of wish we got to see these two actors have a relationship back in season one.
0: I know, right? I was thinking, like, <laughs> this is this scene is so funny because the last time we saw these characters together was a different actor, and they were dating, you know, at the time. Yes. And now that's not acknowledged at all, and they're just chilling and talking as friends. (laughs) I still wonder, like, like, did they ever intend for these
1: characters to get together then they decided, oh, this isn't really working out, or what? But, you know, these two characters have the chemistry. It was very interesting to say, for sure. I
0: I liked it a lot. And Karen, what she said to Larry, I'm going to read the quote. I know you want to protect her, meaning Peyton, but maybe what she needs protection from is regret. And I think those are really wise words wise words coming from Karen and and helped Larry open up to the possibility of Ellie being in Peyton's life and he needed to hear that because I feel like he was so in his like own perspective of like trying to keep her, Peyton safe for all these years he's been a single parent that's very difficult and it I think it just his thought was protect 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 but like I don't think he thought of the other side of it too much. And I'm glad Karen always has the wise words, because she's the best. We love Karen. We really do.
1: Also, Larry recommends to Peyton to talk to someone, and then Peyton's like, like a shrink? And then uh, Larry's like, maybe. And like, yes, Peyton, you should talk to a
0: fucking shrink, Okay. I know, I'm, like, screaming at the TV, basically, in my head, at least. <laughs> like, Peyton, yes, you'd need, like, you needed to see someone years ago. Like, why were you not seeing someone when your mother died? Why were you not seeing someone when Jake left? Why were you not yep. seeing someone just with all the other trauma And now, especially with this whole mother scenario? Like, you need to talk things out. Why didn't you see someone when the whole... Brooke and Lucas thing happened in season one. Like, there's just so much stuff that she needs to work through. But no, she decides to start a podcast
1: because that is a healthier coping mechanism. So I'm
0: really upset about this, actually. I mean, not about the podcast. She can do whatever she wants with the podcast. That's fine. (laughs) I mean, that can be a way to cope, but in addition to therapy. Yeah. I'm upset that they never explore therapy with Peyton. And she is the mm-hmm. character out of all the characters. I mean, everyone needs therapy. I am pro-therapy. Everyone should talk to someone at some point in their life whenever they want. Yas. Speak yes. it. They never explore this with Peyton's character. She is the character of the entire show that needs it more than anyone by far. And it's such a missed point. I'm, I'm, I'm upset about it. Because, like, here's the perfect opportunity for her to do that or to see that representation of, like, Getting help with your mental health. And I know, like, okay, this is 2005. These were not conversations. There's stigma still attached to mental illness and depression and anxiety. There's still to this day in 2022. Definitely was in 2005, even more so. But oh, it's just like the perfect opportunity to explore that. Like, we got to see, for example, in season, what was it? Season. I can't even remember now, when we saw the couples counseling with Dan and Deb, and then Nathan was there. That was season one, right? I was going to say season one, and I'm like, wait a minute.
1: And Dan was very, very anti-therapy, from what I recall, in that episode. And then they end up working it out on their own anyway, Deb and Dan, I mean. And and that just shows, like, oh, look, you don't need therapy. So, yeah, this, this show has a very interesting relationship to mental health, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's the only representation we've gotten so far and it's not good. And it's like that glare. It's not No, good. and it's not good representation. So, uh, yeah, it bothers me a lot because in today's world, if there was a character on screen that was dealing with all the Peyton has dealt with, you would see them in therapy. I I truly believe that. We have yeah. we have come a long way. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but uh we've definitely come a long way. But at
1: the end of the day, they were having Peyton record a podcast instead of going to therapy. Because they wanted to do some cross-marketing by creating supplemental material with Peyton's podcast. (laughs) So Peyton, uh, I I should say, not Peyton, Hillary Burton Morgan, recorded a uh, podcast, quote-unquote, for each episode in character as Peyton, there are 14 of them that you could listen to. And uh, back in the day when these episodes were airing, the, uh, the episodes would get released along... The podcast episodes, I should say, would get released along with the television episodes themselves. Basically, the idea would be, like, uh, once, I, once you finish watching the episode of One Tree Hill, you can go to the website and listen to Peyton's podcast, which gives you a little bit of extra context into Peyton's mind. Um, that website where these podcasts existed... Doesn't exist anymore. However, you can listen to these podcasts on Apple right now, and on a website called Podomatic, maybe in other places, I'm not entirely sure. So all these episodes were uploaded, like, all at once, years later in 2008. So it's kind of hard for us to tell, like, which episode coincided... Which podcast episode, see, I keep getting like jumbled up. I say an episode, episode, but <laughs> you get what I mean. Yeah. Which podcast episode coincided with which TV episode? But um, I, I made a list. I tried my best to figure out which podcast episode coincided with which TV episode. And we're going to try and listen to them here and, here and there and give our thoughts on them.
0: I know. And, and this one, we get uh, lines from what's actually in the TV episode. Are taken from the act, the podcast episode. So that was yeah. cool to like hear the repeats. And Peyton like
1: overly plugs always love by not a servant, which is the co- <laughs> which is the coda for this episode. <laughs> but as you can see, like you know, it was definitely a marketing opportunity at the end of the day. And this first episode, there wasn't really anything outlandish that Peyton said. It was just you know she she talks about her mom her mom dying, and then now she has a new mom who has cancer, but you know, you just get to see a little bit more into her mind at the end of the day. And also, we learned uh, in this week's episode of Trauma Queens, Hillary recorded these podcasts when she also did ADR for the respective episode, and she did not get paid extra.
0: Oh, goodness, yeah. (laughs) Which is a whole other thing to unpack. Not surprising, but wow. (laughs)
1: But, like, she's doing extra work at the end of the day, and she's bringing traffic to the website. She should have been compensated a little bit. You would think. Even if it was just, like, an extra 50 bucks or something. Like, I don't know, like, what, what the deal is with, like, short little podcast episodes, but, you know, she wasn't getting her value at all.
0: Nope. That tracks with what we know about the show's creator.
1: <gasps> <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and I wanted to just note one thing. I think the original website was called Punk and Disorderly. That's where the podcast episodes were.
1: Oh, it was actually... Yeah, that was Peyton's website, I remember, from uh, from season one, Punk and Disorderly. But, like, was was that a real website? That I don't know.
0: I think it was a real website. Okay, but cool. But someone can fact check me there.
1: Yeah, I know they talked about it on Drama Queens, but, like, I don't think you know i I love uh hillary sophia and joy to death but they're not always like completely accurate with their facts
0: (laughs) yeah that's true i thought it was a a regular (laughs) or a real website
1: it may have been who knows but you know if it was like let us know listeners please tell us
0: Um, i think that's where the podcast episodes were but who who knows i could be wrong i don't really remember going there personally
1: I thought it was on, like, the One Tree Hill website, like, the WB.com slash One Tree Hill or whatever. That's true. It could
0: have been there. I don't know. Someone tell us. If you know, if you were watching and listening and all this back in 2005 (laughs) in real time, let us know.
1: Because I did not have internet access back in 2005. I did not have internet at home, so I was not rushing to the computer to listen to these episodes at all. I would have if, if this was happening today. I totally would have now, but I mean, didn't get that experience. I wasn't
0: watching the show yet. Where we're currently at, I was not watching not. the show. So totally missed this part, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, we do not have that experience that we could get off of. But anyway, would you like to uh, shift gears entirely?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Dan confronts Lucas.
0: Oh man, this scene is intense. So we get Peyton and Lucas talking about, what were they, oh, they were talking about Ellie's cancer. Yes. Then somehow the fire, the dealership fire comes up, and then Dan, of yeah. course, immediately walks in and hears that.
1: He hears about a secret, and then he's like, oh, what secret may that be? <laughs> and then, like, can we just uh, unpack a little bit about the literary reference that he brings up? He says, uh, like, oh, try to kill your father. A bit Oedipal, don't you think? Someone should tell Mom she's in for some action. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh man, for... I didn't catch that. Yeah, for those who are not inclined, *Oedipus Rex* is a Greek play where the, the the TLDR of the whole story is that the the son kills his father and sleeps with his own mother. That's the whole point of the story. And Dan prints that up, trying to say, like, so much tell mom, she's in for some action. I'm like, are you trying to imply that Lucas is in love with Karen? Because, like, this is weird. And, like, I don't even know why they even say this at all. Like, why do they make this parallel? Just for Dan to be gross? I don't know. I
0: totally did not catch that. I guess because I was just so annoyed that he walked in that I was, like, not paying attention <laughs> to what he originally, like, was saying at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. That's really creepy. He's gross on so many levels. Like, I mean, we could come up with a whole running list. The fact that in the next moment, he's strangling Lucas, his own son. Like, what has gotten into this dude? He's just getting worse and worse. I get that he's upset that someone tried to murder him. But, like, are we really going to handle it like this? And you're going to take it out in your own son? Basically, Lucas was the one who saved Dan on the night of the fire. He somehow was there, you know, at the right time, and he pulled Dan out from the fire.
1: And he took the notes the, for everything you've done there. Yes. So, Lucas yes. has that only piece of evidence as well.
0: He has. And as we
1: know, Lucas is holding on to that for whatever reason.
0: And remember, in uh, episode season three, episode one, we... See a flashback scene where he's talking, Lucas is talking to Peyton, and he says, tonight I did something that I don't think I can take back, or that I can't take back, and now we know what that is, because he was a suspect for the longest time. Like, Dan was suspecting him, but, like, he was definitely one of them, because it was suspicious what he said there that night. So now we can X him off the list. He saved Dan. Should he have?
1: (laughs) That's another question. (laughs) So we still don't know who tried to kill Dan. Nope, but we can check him off the list as suspects. So shall we move on to this, Coda? <laughs>
0: Let's do it. <laughs> Always loved by a Surf, yes! Yes! It's such a great song. It's so iconic. I feel like the song's more iconic than the moment, but it still is my favorite musical yeah. moment.
1: Okay, all right, well, uh, yeah, it was it, it was my favorite as well. Um, so it kicks off with Mouth is sitting down to receive advice from Whitey in his office. And that's the very tail ends when, you know, like we said earlier, Mouth is trying to get some advice from somebody whose wife died. Makes
0: no <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're in Karen's cafe. Lucas writes down his senior year prediction. This year, I will try again with, who is he referring to? I don't
1: know. And we don't get to find out because we go back to Haley and Brooke's apartment, where Haley writes her prediction, Nathan and I will be together again.
0: Now we're on the roof of Karen's cafe. Lucas and Haley hide their predictions in the brick wall.
1: Then we're in Peyton's room, where rather than going to therapy, Peyton records a podcast. Not unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're both in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to our podcast! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in Brooke's room, Brooke stuffs a letter in an envelope to Lucas and then puts the envelope into a box full of letters she never sent to Lucas.
1: Mm. Which, I really love that moment when she's just like, you know, rifling through the letters. It's so, oh, so great.
0: I know, it's a surprising moment, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we see Dan sitting in his car at night, and then a cop hands him a manila envelope. Oh boy,
0: what is he up to?
1: Uh, I don't know. I really, genuinely don't know. I don't know what's in this envelope, but I forget.
0: Please, <laughs> so we'll find. I think out. we find about it, find out about it in the next episode. Oh, okay. All right, we'll say. <laughs> and then we're in the Tree Hill High hallway. Haley's bullies point and laugh at her, but then Nathan walks alongside her and puts his hand on the small of her back.
1: <laughs> They're adorable. Which we already saw. I really, really love that moment, and yeah, that's why that's my favorite musical moment in general, and that's yours
0: as well. Yeah, it's my, it's my favorite. Like I hear this song, and I'm just so happy. First off, so I, I just absolutely love the song. That's good. The moment is great too. I guess I always, I always forget what moment the song plays though.
1: Oh, I always remember this moment.
0: <laughs> but it, it's a really great moment, especially the Haley and Nathan stuff, and then the Brooke reveal with the letters. Those were my favorite parts of it.
1: Okay, so that was our favorite musical moment. What was your favorite quotes?
0: This is actually a part that we did not talk about because there really was no... Oh. It's a funny quote. There was really no place to talk about it, but the whole scrunchy scene. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Brooke. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Brooke is going to be my favorite quote. Like, just her funny lines. They're just every single episode, I feel like, from here on out, probably. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brooke is talking to Haley about the scr- scrunchie system for when they have someone over in the bedroom <laughs> or in the apartment in general. <laughs> so, Brooke says to her, If either of us has a boy over, these scrunchies will be our first line of defense. Observe. Red scrunchie means occupied. Some serious action going on in here. <laughs> <laughs> the yellow scrunchie means we're just making out, but one or more of us may be topless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so good I love that scene so much So we could say that part's a favorite quote But then just to read the rest of the scene Haley says and the black one You're gonna have to leave the apartment <laughs> I just I love these two Like there's such different characters Brooke and Haley And like I don't know the funny lines that they're giving Brooke now Are just classic That scene always gets me I laugh out loud every single time every single time without fail it's, i like forget about the scene and then when it comes on i'm like oh my god this is hysterical
1: it's fucking beautiful i love seeing brooke and Haley together i feel like this friendship is very very underrated for the series it just the way these two play off of each other like you said the two of them are so different and that's what makes them so entertaining
0: agreed it is underrated I just
1: really really love it um My favorite quote is also a Brooke quote, but it's the one where she says, sometimes people play hard to get because they need to know the other person's feelings are real because it's just so genuine and so heartfelt. And I just love that. It is so beautiful. Yeah,
0: that's a really good one. I would say that's my honorable mention.
1: But for my overall rating for the episode, I give it four out of five unsense letters. And I feel like this episode is really great. It's beautifully structured, as we talked about. Like, I love how, like, you know, the... The episode title ends the, uh, the quote, the Henry Wadsworth Longfellow quote, like, ties everything together. I think it's really beautifully done, but I just feel like there's some parts where they missed, like, the whole Haley's bully situation was just dumb and boring, to be frank. And then, you know, the whole thing about therapy, I know they were trying to create supplemental material, but come on, like, <laughs> give me the mental health help she deserves.
0: I know. I also give it four out of five scrunchies. It's not an episode that, like, wows me, but a lot of important stuff goes on in it.
1: Absolutely.
0: I almost was leaning towards a three because it, it's not riveting to me. But there's, as I was writing, honestly, as I was writing the recap, I realized how, how much happened in the episode.
1: It's a great one, and it's funny that you said that this episode wasn't like riveted. But I, I honestly thought this episode was more riveted than the previous one. To be honest,
0: yeah, I don't know why you don't like that previous one.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's fine, but I don't know. I feel like more happened in this one. I like how everything got tied together in the end. It's just
0: yeah, it was beautiful. More happened. Yeah, you can definitely say that. I just think the last episode yep. was fun.
1: You could just say, like, you know, the last episode, um, I was held back by something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sense to me quietly on the stairs.
0: <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHPod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHPod at gmail.com.
1: I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy.
0: And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I
1: Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps Luxury Hill fans new and old find us.
0: You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners and early episode releases visit patreon.com always for more information
1: now if you don't want future episodes of one tree hill to be spoiled for you now is the time to turn this podcast off otherwise stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends we'll We'll be be seeing seeing you
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So the one thing that I wanted to talk about is how in the series finale we get to see Haley show Jamie the prediction tin that her and Lucas used. I'm glad they included that in the series finale because it really like brought things full circle. And even though at that point Lucas wasn't in the show... Haley was able to, like, pass the tradition on to the next generation.
1: Yeah, it was really cute. And what's it, all uh, Haley, what did Haley, what did Jamie uh, write for, for his prediction? I wanted to, like, go back and, like, watch the scene after I saw what she, that she shot it out for the spoiler segment, but I just didn't want a spoiler, even though I know what happens in the episode. I didn't want a spoiler.
0: So he said that he wanted to break Dad's scoring record. He said it uh, out loud. Okay. I don't think we actually saw him write it. Like, the words, oh like, we see in this episode, but, like, that's what he said as he was sitting next to Haley. He said he wanted to do that. And then this shifts over to the scene because they're on the rooftop. And the scene's cool because, like, you see the brick again. Like, them taking out the brick and then putting putting the tin in there. Um, and then the scene shifts over to they're looking out, you know, from the rooftop. And that's when Haley says the tree hill quote. There's only one tree hill and it is your home. So it's like she's passed. There's so many traditions that are being passed on. Like she's saying Karen's words and then she's passing on the prediction tradition to Jamie. And it was just a sweet moment. I like the little touches that they put in the final episodes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, I can't wait till we can talk about Jamie.
0: I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be interesting.
1: Because I've definitely said this before, like, you know, Jamie is actually a kid that's like, I never found him to be annoying, I feel like some people do, but he gets incorporated into the show so naturally that it's not, like, weird or random, and I just really love it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree.
1: On a completely different note, though, and uh, this uh, got sparked to me because of the deleted scenes, which we didn't really talk about because nothing really exciting happened, to be honest. Um but for the deleted scenes for this if you watch them on the dvds they're also available on youtube if anybody wants to watch them themselves but you see daniel daniel ackles nay daniel harris is hosted like a talk show of some sort with the creator of the show the whole interaction's kind of cringe whatever we're not gonna really talk about that but i thought daniel was just so fucking adorable she, said, she she's like, Okay, uh, right now we're gonna talk about episode three oh three, which unlike three oh one and three oh two, um, they're kinda boring because uh no Rachel. So when you watch these scenes, I just want you to think, like, imagine a little bit of Rachel. A little bit of Rachel. <laughs> and then she says, like, there's you know, there's this one scene with uh, Lucas and Karen, which, you know, they're related. They have conversations all the time. So, you know, we don't really need to see that. And then this other scene we have <laughs> We have broken and Peyton. They're best friends. We always see them together. So just imagine, like, a little Rachel.
0: <laughs> so cute. I love that.
1: <laughs> she's so adorable. And I-, I got sparked seeing that because in the next episode, we get to meet Rachel. I don't think she's given a name in the next episode, if I'm not mistaken. She's just known as the Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Co- I was going to say Cosplayer. We'll say Cosplayer, for lack of a better word. Yeah, but, she's definitely not given a name. But she does, get a, she does get a name in an episode after that. And it's great. Oof. But I am so excited. I know you want to talk about Rachel.
0: <laughs> We're getting there. We are.
1: We're getting there so, so fast. I have a friend who uh, she listens to this podcast, but uh, she listens to the spoiler segment and she's never seen One Tree Hill. She just doesn't care about spoilers. She just, like, she wants to hear, like, all of our thoughts from beginning to end. But even she's very excited to meet Rachel. She's like, oh my god, I can't wait to meet one of your favorite characters! (laughs) That's so cool. I just hope she meets, like, your expectations, is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, Rachel's progression is interesting. (laughs) That's for sure. But it's the
1: the character assassination, which, like I said, I, I made jokes about this before, but... The, the Rachel in seasons five and seven, like that's not my Rachel. Hashtag not my Rachel.
0: Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just gotta say, like everything that Rachel did in seasons beyond season four was just an attempt to tip the scales.
0: <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Which was, which is the next episode we will be discussing. Season three, episode four, and and attempt to tip the scales.
0: And taken from our OTH DVD box, that's the description reads, Mayor Dan Scott, Dan finds a sudden dedication to public service and Deb takes advantage of the situation. At Trick, a masquerade party featuring the band Fallout Boy may reunite Haley and Nathan.
1: Featuring the band Fallout Boy. <laughs> can we can we just unpack how that's right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> the band Fallout Boy. Thank you for specifying that.
0: <laughs> hey, this is 2005. They were just breaking out.
1: <laughs> they were. Oh, that's Uh, that's hilarious i never read that before that's funny anyway we'll be
0: seeing ya we'll
1: be seeing ya that was almost insane yeah it was we're getting there good for us